What's going on, everybody? How you doing out there? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever the time is that you're listening to this episode, I want to say hello. My name is TJ, and this is the Soapbox once more and again. We got a doozy of a show for you guys today because we're going to discuss some of the major issues that are happening right now in our country. I'm telling you, everybody needs to sit back. Listen to the episode, take a good look at what you got going on around you, what's going on in front of our eyes. So with no further ado, you guys, we're going to go ahead and move on into the episode. All right, here we go. So listen, I had no intentions of doing this subject matter today. All right. I've got subject matter pushed out for the next two years worth of episodes that's that's just how prepared i like to be so i had every intentions of doing a whole different message today a whole different episode uh for you guys to listen to but as we speak right now as i'm recording this episode there are people rioting throughout the entire united states Many major cities, if I'm not mistaken, at least 30 last night and had active riots going on over the injustices that we have witnessed in this country for years. Now, of course, you know, we got the riots going on and we're going to touch on that later on in, in the episode. But I would have been wrong and i would have been totally against what the soapbox is all about if i didn't address what happened this week in our country now i'm gonna be honest with you guys this is this is the type of episode where i lose listeners because a lot of people are gonna say oh no this is just another black guy talking about the injustices that have been done to African-Americans in our country and blah, blah, blah. But let me explain something to you. Some people are going to turn away from this episode because they are lost. Some people are going to turn away from this episode because it makes you uncomfortable. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to talk about it. Some people are going to turn away from this episode because you're guilty. And you know that the way you think and the way you act is a, is a major part of the process of why we are where we are right now. So I'm probably going to lose some downloaders. This is probably going to be the lowest downloaded episode of all the episodes that I do, but you know what? That's okay. That's, that's very okay. Because the things that I'm about to say are things that need to be said. Some people out there are too afraid to say them to the audience. Now, I want to make sure that people understand this. When Amon Aubrey was killed, that touched me a lot because me and my best friend, we work out a lot together. A lot of times we'll hit the road and, and walk and run, do push-ups, sit-ups, the whole nine yards. And I put myself in that position. How would my family feel if one day I went to work out and I was gunned down because I was supposedly mistaken as someone who was robbing houses in the area. What, 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 what would that do to the people that I live with every single day that all I did was leave my home and go for a job and come up dead? 
So so the the that murder touched me a lot. But then the issues of this week hit. The situation with George Floyd is by far horrendous. But the situation that everybody also needs to make sure they pay attention to is the situation with Christian Cooper in New York. Floyd was was murdered and we are standing up for that injustice every single minute of the day right now. But Cooper was almost framed and it was videotaped because what you were able to witness in this video was this man's African-American existence being weaponized. I am totally, totally upset about the situation with George Floyd. But the situation with Cooper is by far a clear indication of the situation that we're in. To watch the police who are sworn to protect kill a man on camera is just is 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 mind-boggling. But then to watch a woman lie to the extent that Amy Cooper did on camera and possibly placing this man's life in jeopardy is just is it, there's no words for that. Now, let me let me make sure that I'm absolutely 100% clear before I move forward. I am not anti-law enforcement. I can't be because I'm a part of the system. I work in a prison. I work hand in hand with law enforcement agents. And I know a bunch of them that are really, really great people that love their job, that are compassionate about what they do, and they care about the next man. But see, this is the thing that most people don't understand. The problem is not that simple. We have a sickness in our society, and that is systemic racism. It is. It exists. It is real. It is alive. It is, it is there. We can't walk away from it. We have to deal with it. It's just like any sickness that you get in your body. You can't just get a cold and ignore that it's there. You can't get the flu and ignore that it's there. You have to realize that you have a problem, and then you have to treat it. And you need to hope that you treat it in enough time to where it doesn't do lasting damage to your body. That's where we are right now. We have to treat this problem right now because if we don't, as you can see going on every single night, we're going to have damage that is going to last longer than what we are willing to deal with. So let's, let's, let's talk about this whole Floyd situation. And see, I take a very, very serious approach to this. When we talk about Floyd, what we're looking at is we're looking at a situation where we have a man handcuffed, face down, with an officer's knee at the back of his throat, almost to the side of his throat, along with three other officers behind the car that are also putting their body weight on him as well. Now, right there, if there is anybody out there that is justifying that in your mind, you are a part of the problem. Listen, I'm an OC pepper spray and CRDT instructor. You may not know what the acronym means when you're listening to this, but just know that that is a self-defense system that we teach to officers in my job. Ladies and gentlemen, listening to this 
recording. Understand that we teach a philosophy called positional asphyxiation. What positional asphyxiation is, it is the ability for a person to die from laying face down on the ground. We are taught to train people regularly that once you place an individual face down on the ground, you have an obligation to either turn them to their side or sit them up. That's what you have to do because if not, death is imminent. This it's not a possibility. It's imminent because that position puts all of their body weight on their lungs. Now, when you factor in the fact that this man was handcuffed along with four other fully grown individuals weight pressed on his body, including one of them placing their knee on his neck. So to have that kind of pressure on his neck, on the rest of his body, laying face down in the ground, of course, death is imminent. You have four officers there and they allowed, they, they did that. So if you can justify that anywhere in this country, then you are part of the problem. But let's talk about Cooper. With the Cooper situation, we're looking at a man who was in Central Park attempting to bird watch. That's what he was doing. Big old sign up in Central Park that says that any dogs, any animals that are out there, they have to be on a leash. So we get this young lady. Her name is Amy Cooper. And Amy decides that she's going to let her dog run all over the park while this man is out there bird watching. The man asks her to put the dog on the leash. Now, I don't have all the details of the conversation of what he said before it got to where the video was rolling. I'm sure some of y'all out there want to go through that argument. And if you do, fine. Do whatever you need to justify whatever you want to justify. But let me tell you, when the camera starts rolling, there's absolutely nothing that can justify what this woman did. She tells this man on camera I'm going to call the police and I'm going to tell the police that there is an African American man that is threatening me. Now, right there, we have our evidence of systemic racism out the gate because this lady articulates that she is going to tell the police this man's ethnicity to make sure that they understand the level of the threat. If that alone doesn't make you feel horrible, then I don't know what else to tell you. So then she gets on the phone. She calls the police. And while on the phone, you can see her in the video completely change. She morphs and turns into the greatest actor to ever play any role in any movie she gives them tears she gives them a change in her voice she even squeezes the dog so it sounds like the dog is fighting something and she tells the man on the phone i can't hear you because i'm being threatened by this african-american man look at what she just did she just turned his blackness into a weapon against him. And then she created a scene. 
so that the police would act in urgency. The whole time, Mr. Cooper is standing there recording the situation, not engaging. He may have said one or two words that had absolutely nothing to instigate the situation at all. Now, do you not feel that it is such hypocrisy to sit around making excuses for these actions over and over and over again i am tired of people making attempts to rationalize these actions listen if you can rationalize what cooper did what amy cooper did then you're a part of the problem too if you approach either of these situations attempting to justify either situation from the from the very beginning then that is a part of the problem it's systematic racism it has been ingrained in our society people wanted to argue and be outraged at colin kaepernick for taking a knee on the field during the national anthem where where is that outrage now where are the people that were so upset with him now, why are you not out here fighting for a clear injustice that was done before your very eye? And see, I want to tell you some more hypocrisy because everybody wants to talk about numbers. Everybody wants to bring up, oh, well, well, black people kill black people. And, well, you're not doing anything about the, the crime in the black community. Okay. So let's talk about that then. Because one thing I love is numbers. Because numbers tell the story. So statistically speaking, studies have shown and show right now. Anything I say to you, you can look it up as soon as you get done listening to this podcast. But statistics show that out of all white murders, 81% of them are done by white people. Out of all black murders, 89% of them are done by black people. Do you know why that is? Because people commit crimes in proximity. People kill in the areas that they live in. They deal with people every day that they look at, that they live around, that they work around. Those are the individuals that they commit crimes to. There is only a 8% difference in black-on-black black crime and white-on-white white crime. Think about that. Let that sink in because all your life you've been told, oh, well, black-on-black black crime is this and black-on-black black crime is that. The numbers are almost the same. But let me tell you some numbers that are not. White people make up 61% of the population and almost 70% of all arrests in the country. But white males only make up about 32% of the prison population. Black people make up 13% of the population. Almost 28% of the arrests in the country, but black males make up 40% of the prison population. As a matter of fact, if you add in the Hispanic population, then minorities make up 
57% of our incarcerated population. How is justice equal inside of those numbers? I tell you another number that you need to pay attention to. Our police forces are made up of 77% white and only 13% black. Look at that. That is an issue. That is something that we need to focus on, but we don't need people approaching these situations, making excuses for them. Don't start a conversation with me about the riots. Because in my mind, that's all you're thinking about. They start tearing up stores and buildings, and that's what you're focused on? Yeah, it's crazy. But at the same time, so was what led up to it. And don't think that this situation is just what everybody is going crazy over. No, this situation is just one of hundreds, if not thousands, that people have dealt with throughout the years. But see, the problem is, is that nobody else has to have the conversation that African Americans have to have with their children every single day, sometimes more than once a day. I've got boys. I've got one that moves around a lot. I have to worry if he's going to die from leaving my house, driving around with his homeboys, going to do his job. I have to worry. I have to worry if somebody's going to mistake my second oldest son for a bully. I have to worry when my third oldest son, my middle child, goes out to sporting events because I don't know how the people are going to treat him. I don't know what they're going to do to him. You don't have to have that worry. You don't have to have that care. You don't have to have that consideration if you're not an African-American man. Don't sit there and tell yourself in your head, oh, well, I have to worry about my child, too. You're right. You do. But I guarantee you, you never have to worry about if your child's going to leave home and be killed because of who they are. You worry about if your child's going to run into somebody sadistic. You worry about if your child's going to run into somebody homicidal. You worry about if your child's going to run into some type of rapist. I worry about if my child's going to run into the regular Joe. I worry if my child's going to run into the people that are supposed to be protecting him. You don't worry about that. You don't worry if your wife is going to be mistaken for some aggressive female. Because that's how we characterize black women. And not to mention that, but I worry about myself. I've got a lot of friends that are white. A lot of them. I've got friends who are white that I consider as close to me as my own blood brother. But you know who's never going to ask me that question? The individual who stops me and sees me as just a black guy. The individual who decides to mistake me for some kind of threat because I'm black. He's not going to care that I've got a young man that's a white man who I helped raise since he was 12 years old. He's not going to care that I've got a young lady who I call my daughter, who's a white lady, who's held my children, kept my children, been around my family for years. He's not going to care 
that I have a white mother and a white father that I consider just as close to me as my parents. They're not going to care about that because the only thing that they're going to see is what they see at the time. Now, anybody that knows me knows that I'm not going to give you a one-sided story. Let me say this very clear to you. The one thing in this situation that continues to eat at me and hurts me dearly is the hypocrisy that I see happening in not only the church, but my own people as well. Listen, where is the church? I'm a Christian. I'm proud of it. What has hurt me to the core is to watch what I call the hierarchy of Christianity, the church itself. Those that are out here preaching daily the gospel sit back on this issue. Yeah, we'll fight against abortion. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a sin against humanity. We'll fight against homosexuality. I see it all the time. Fighting against a man being with a man and a woman being with a woman. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely a, a damnable sin. We'll fight for judges that we want. We'll fight for politicians that we want. We'll even get out there and fight for Israel. But as soon as somebody starts to raise the situation of civil rights and racial discrimination, you know, we need to pray about that. What? So you'll fight for all these other causes, but you won't even lay a single stance on the fact that there are African-Americans dying unjustly. There are African-Americans being forced to live in conditions that are less than human. There are opportunities being snatched away from us on a, on a daily basis, not because of the fact that we don't qualify, but because of the fact that we don't look like the image that these people want their representatives to have. What in the world is that if not hypocrisy? Let me ask you a question. Christians that are listening to this podcast, do you think that Jesus would have not stood for civil rights and social justice? Do you think that he would have spent all his time trying to get judges into seats and trying to get politicians into seats? Jesus wasn't political. He wasn't running around trying to get kings in positions. You know what he did? He fought and stood up for the common man. There are situation after situation littered in the Bible where Jesus took a stance against the government for us, for the people. He wasn't trying to, to, to influence some election. He didn't take the stance of I'm going to back this politician. He backed the people. He fought for the people. Where did we get that confused? Now all we care about is elections. We want to see the, the, and it doesn't matter to me what side of the fence you on. It, what I'm saying is, is that if you are really who you say you are, then you should have a voice in this fight because the man that you say you follow would have had a voice in this fight. 
And for those of you that have so much to say about whether or not Jesus would have gotten upset or angry, maybe you might want to read what Jesus did when he found out that people were defiling the temple. That was anger, but it's hypocrisy. Do you know that one of the most racist locations in our entire country is the church? Now, I know some of y'all are going to be mad at me for saying that, but you want to be real. Let's be real. Black people worship with black people and white people worship with white people. In all honesty, if there wasn't racism in the church, you wouldn't have to have your first Korean Baptist church. You wouldn't have to have your first Mexican uh, uh, Presbyterian church. You know why? Because you wouldn't need to split up races like that. If you were following what Jesus wanted us to do, then we all would be worshiping together. But no, we don't. And you know why we don't? Because despite what you preach, you still exist in a comfort zone. I have a pastor. He preaches one of the most universal messages that I've ever heard. We have a praise team. He critiques our music to the T, ensuring that we do not cater to one particular type of people. There is no reason why my pastor's church shouldn't be flooded with people of all races. But you know what? We're still predominantly black there's a handful of white people that come to our church that in itself should speak volumes because right up the road not even two miles from where we worship there's another church that's predominantly white why are we not together yeah we'll come together for some type of uh special occasion does 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 god really want that kind of separation is that the division Because that's not what I read. That's not what I'm getting. Look at the music of the church. We have CCM, which is literally engulfed with white people singing praises. Then we have contemporary gospel, which is literally black people singing praises. It makes no sense. But we wonder why we're divided and we don't do anything about it because we are comfortable with it. We should be ashamed of ourselves. We're the world's beacon of hope. And yet we're just as divided as anybody else. And, and, and this is what I have to say about my people. So to all of the black people listening to this podcast, when are we going to wake up and realize that Destroying property, stores, neighborhoods, does it do anything but play into the narrative that we're out of control? Now, trust and believe, I don't condone the rioting. As a matter of fact, I'm totally against it whatsoever. I understand, though, why it's happening, or I work in a prison. And anytime you take an offender, you put that offenders back against the wall and they feel like they have no other course of action, then they rebel and they rebel physically because they feel like that is the only thing that you're going to listen to. Nothing else gets your attention. Well, 
That's what these people were doing, some of them. But here's the problem with this situation. And it's just like any situation like this. Once you begin to take a physical action, that means you decide that you're going to you're going to fight against the police. You're going to burn down a building. You're going to destroy property. Once you make that decision, the elements that have been sitting around waiting for this opportunity are going to join in. And they're not about your call. All they want to do is they want to serve their own ambitions. So they want to get in there and loot, steal a bunch of stuff. They want to burn up a bunch of stuff. They want to hurt people, shoot people, whatever the case may be. Has nothing to do with the cause. And you should ask yourself that question. When you were upset about this before, before you started to actually take a physical action, where were these people at? Let me tell you what else this does. That type of situation, when you start rioting and looting and pillaging, all that does is set up more action action against us action against individuals who are trying to get the message across and it makes it hard for those individuals to actually break through because now what you've done is you've taken a situation that was basically focused on hostility that was done by somebody else and now you've put all the focus on you so now we got to clean up your mess now we got to get people seen by doctors. Now we got to build back all of that infrastructure that was already in place. And then the worst part about it is, is you're beating your own self up. You're destroying your own property. You're tearing up buildings that you have to use. You're burning down stores that you have to use. You're fighting police that were on your side. There's a bunch of police officers out there that are vocally putting themselves out there, visibly putting themselves out there and saying that they are totally against this situation. But when you run out there and start burning stuff down, tearing stuff up, looting stuff, these are the same officers that have to now come out there and stop you. It makes no sense. Listen to me. And these are my final words. If you are African-American and you're out there looting, pillaging, rioting, stop. Peaceful protests. But more importantly, pocket protests. You are the largest consumer in this country. If you begin to take charge of who you are, then you'll be able to make the changes you want. But for one, you've got to stop pushing against the system and start affecting the change of the system. That 77% of police officers and that 13% of black police officers, that number needs to change. If you want a different type of policing, if you want a, a familiar face, then you need to get your behind out there and get on somebody's police force, become a judge, become a lawyer, become a doctor. I know it ain't easy. But that's the thing about this whole process. None of it's going to be easy. But if that's you, you need to make a difference right now. Change your approach. If you are a Christian listening to this podcast, stop being selective about what you fight for when it comes down to being about Christ. 
if you're going to walk like Jesus, then walk like him. But don't take this issue and then turn around and take a, a pause because you don't want to you don't want to make people uncomfortable. Stop being hypocritical. That's turning people away from the faith. And if you are a white person that condones any of the acts that happen, that's able to rationalize either one of these events or Mr. Aubrey's death, then I'm telling you now that you are a part of the problem. If you are somebody who doesn't want to accept that there is a level of systematic racism in our country then you are a part of the problem and if you are somebody who recognizes these issues and sees that there needs to be change then i'm begging you i'm pleading with you join hands with those of us that want to do this thing the right way and let's make a difference in this world as opposed to just standing by and watching it destroy itself all right, well, that's all I got for you guys today. I know it's a lot, but, you know, this is a very emotional time in the country. Um, keep your head up, guys. Stay focused. You know your goal. You know the dream. Let's band together and make this thing happen. This is TJ from the Soapbox. God bless you. I love you.